happy today to be speaking with Friar Nick. For those who are on Catholic Twitter, they might follow him at FRNick, O-F-M-C-O-N-V. He is a Franciscan friar, a conventual, who lives out in Maryland and is the assistant formation director uh, for his province out there. And so happy to discuss with Friar Nick today a little bit about the Rosary and Saint and Mary and St. Francis. So welcome to the show, Friar Nick. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. You know, I think it was about a year ago now that I saw this trending hashtag. And of course, in Catholic Twitter, there's always these hashtags that kind of emerge. You know, a few months ago, it was brief reviews and break the chains. And and one of them, you're kind of behind. You're the face behind it. And that's the signal grace, hashtag signal, S-I-G-N-A-L, grace. And I was just wondering if you could share a little bit about that hashtag and how that came about. Yeah, so um, although I'm a Franciscan, the, the rosary and, and signal grace really has uh, Dominican roots, um, kind of the, there's a, a, a story that, that Mary inspired or, or gave the uh, rosary to St. Dominic, and then St. Dominic kind of gave that to everybody else. Um, but yeah, so it was no oh, uh, fall, October, yeah, it was about two years ago, right around now, um, that I started just praying the rosary pretty pretty regularly, making sure I do the, the whole thing, the whole uh, rosary in one sitting and, and through the, the mysteries of the day. Um, I just noticed a sense of peace and started noticing different um, Marian kind of things in my life. I'll just explain that a little bit. Um, I think one of the, the examples, um, there. I lived in this friary for two years, uh, and I probably walked past this image of Mary like five times a day, every day, um, and I didn't really notice it until I started praying the, the rosary um, more often. So I, I shared, you know, I asked the friars, is, did somebody just put up the image? And they're like, no, it's, it's been there for years. Um, and I, I share, was sharing the story with my friend, and she says, oh, that, that sounds like a, a signal grace. I said, what is that? And she's like, well, there's the, the 15 promises of the rosary. Uh, and, and the first one of those promises are those who pray the rosary every day. Uh, shall receive signal graces. So um, that that was from a 15, 14th or 15th century Dominican, um, and he was promoting the rosary, uh, Alanis de Rupe. Um, and he also had these great devotion to Mary. Um, and it was through that that I, signal grace, I'm like, that's the perfect word for, for what I've been receiving, these uh, signals, a sign, something physical, concrete, um, and some sort of grace, just making me aware of the, the presence of God in my life. Um, so I, I threw did the first thing you do when you want to look something up, put signal grace into Google. Uh, and there was a, a short article uh, about it. There was actually the um, Wikipedia page about the 15 promises of the, the rosary seemed to be helpful. Um, but yeah, I just, it, it kind of clicked. It, it made a lot of sense to me. And as I continued to, to pray the rosary more, uh, and, and I have been pretty much every day since then. Uh, I've just been much more um, in tune uh, or aware of, or just having kind of the the, uh, the vision, um, kind of my eyes, this clarity about it, that, that I see um, God working in my life and, and having these concrete little signs. Um, and it's really been powerful. So I, I was wondering if there's other people you know, experiencing the same thing. So I started uh, that hashtag, and it, it caught on a little bit. 
uh, and it was just it's just really a joy that other other people were able to uh, share you know, what I've had and share the, their signal graces with other people as, as well as I could share mine. So. And so, uh, in terms of the the signal graces, you notice the the picture of Mary in the friary. Has there been yeah. any other signal grace that has stood out to you over the past year or so? Yeah, one of the the oh, the past year it was actually well, it's about two years now. Um, but the the biggest one was that um, you know, I was teaching at the high school, uh, and the provincial called me on December fifth um, that he wanted to have a, a meeting with me the, the next day, um, and and he said, "Don't worry, it's not a, a bad thing." That's usually you know the provincial is my boss, uh, friar boss, and wants to meet with me the next. It's a good thing. Um, so on uh, December sixth, it was the feast of Saint Nicholas, my patron. Um, I, I met with the provincial, and, and he um, said that I was chosen for formation, the, the current ministry I'm doing now, um, and if I was interested in, in doing that. And I, I, uh, I didn't say yes right then. I certainly continued to pray about it. Um, but that that was a really big um, grace just to have this opportunity for this ministry. And I think that it happened on uh, the feast of St. Nicholas. You know, that just I've always had a devotion to St. Nicholas as my patron. Um, but that was certainly one of the, the bigger ones that really stood out to me um, and, and helped me you know, just discern and, and start this new ministry. Um, the other the other big one uh, that really stood out to me was I was supposed to have this big meeting, um, I think it was, let's just say March 1st, this was uh, last year. Um, it was supposed to be March 1st through the 3rd. Um, it had to do with my formation as a friar meeting. Um, um and my friend asked me if he was going to Mexico City, and he knew about my devotion to Mary and was interested if I would uh, join him for a couple days to, to go to, you know, primarily see the uh, Church of uh, Basilica of Our Lady Guadalupe to see the Tilma. Um, and it was the exact dates of that meeting, and I said, you know, I'm sorry, I can't go. I have this meeting with the friars. Um, and for very disappointed, but these, these things happen. Um, and for various reasons, that, that meeting was canceled, uh, and I ended up having flight miles to go. Um, I asked for permission from my guardian. I was able to go to Mexico City and, and see the Tilma uh, of Our Lady. Um, and it was just you know, such a, a grace that it was those exact days. So I had the days blocked off already for that meeting. I didn't have to go to the meeting, and I was able to go to Mexico City for that pilgrimage. Um, so it's, that, that was one of the bigger ones. Um, and it was just uh, this, this perfect, just I think, uh, expression of the, the love of Our Lady and just you know, these graces that I, I received because of uh, the praying the rosary daily. So. Yeah, definitely. That's pretty incredible. And one of the other things that I think I noticed through your social media is that you're kind of a big promoter of the 54-day rosary novena. And, and really, yeah. how did you come about to, to pray a 54-day rosary novena and, and be a big promoter of it? Yeah, so it was it was really two years ago. My friend, um, she was praying the, the she was going to start praying that novena uh, with with her friend who is having uh, just a lot of tr- difficulties and challenges in her life, um, and she was just trying to you know, see how many other people uh, could join her in that. And and I I've been praying the rosary off and on um, pr- pretty much for well, a long time, probably fifteen twenty years. Um, but it, it was, it seemed always, um, unfocused. Sometimes I'd pray the whole rosary. Sometimes I would just pray a decade or two. Um, sometimes it would be the mysteries of the day. Sometimes it was the mysteries of I want that I wanted. 
Um, but I, I kind of want to um, fine tune um, that that practice of praying the rosary every day. Um, so I, I joined her. Uh, I joined her in the, that 54-day rosary novena, um, and it, I just I woke up about a half hour early every day. Uh, you know, teaching high school can be, be quite busy, but I, I woke up that uh, half hour every day, started praying that rosary every day. Um, and just having knowing that um, other people were praying with me, uh, and I was praying with and, and for other people, uh, it was just a powerful motivator. Um, so I started that again. It was about two years ago. And it was really within. Um, I think it was really at the that tail end of that fifty-four day novena uh, was when I was asked by the provincial uh, on December sixth that feast of Saint Nicholas um, to meet him. So it, it was just a, a again maybe it was just happenstance. I, I really think it was the grace of Our Lady. Um, it's one of my favorite titles of, of Mary is the mediatrix of all graces. Um, but that sh she was interceding with me, you know, walking with me, praying uh, for me, um, kind of leading me to, to where I am now. So it was a really powerful uh, experience, um, that first 54-day rosary novena that I did. Uh, and I'm actually, I'm on day 40, it's 43 or 44? Yeah, day, yeah, 44. Uh, this is the second time I'm doing this novena. Um, but and it's actually about signal grace and I'm, I'm thinking about putting a, a book proposal together or maybe a longer article just something that i'm uh want to share uh, the, this signal grace and, and what that means it's um you know the, the hashtag was good um but to, to be able to focus on it and, and write something a little bit more concrete experience of graces uh, other experiences of graces and just really the fruits of praying the rosary so well it's very beautiful and as we talk about the 54-day Rosary Novena, it's uh, uh, 27 days you make a petition, and then you make 27 days of Thanksgiving. And so that's how we get to 54 uh, in terms of that. So kind of yeah. six different novenas all in one as we yeah. ask the intercession of Our Lady. In terms of your life as a Franciscan, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the Dominican Rosary, but of course the Franciscans have the, the seven joys of Mary or the Franciscan crown that they often pray. And is that oh. something, a, a part of your life or um, a part of your community life? It is, yeah. Uh, when I was a, a novice, that's kind of like friar boot camp, but there's this year of uh, focused prayer. Uh, and community living, and, and at the beginning of that year, uh, you're invested, you're given the habit, and at the end of that year, you profess the vows. Um, and it was during when I was a novice that we prayed uh, the Franciscan crown. Um, it was every Saturday we did it in community, um, but because I was a novice, I had the time. I, I pretty much prayed it every day, um, but it, it really gave me the sense of Francis's understanding uh, of Mary's role in the church, uh, and just what it means to be joyful. Um, and, and Franciscan uh, joy, I think it's the charism of, of St. Francis and that we're, we're all called to um, to live out in our, in our own ways. Um, but yeah, so now every every Saturday I, I pray, um, is Saturday's day dedicated to Our Lady, uh, I, I pray the Franciscan crown. Um, so it's something, uh, I wear it on our habit. It's conventional Franciscans are uh, usually the only Franciscans that wear um a rosary. Uh, it's actually a Franciscan crown where the, the Dominican friars, they wear this 15-decade rosary. Uh, the, the Franciscan conventuals wear a um, the Franciscan crown. Um, so yeah, just it 
reminds me it's a it's it's a part of our charism kind of a nuance um nuanced look uh, at the rosary and, and just the life of our lady and, and praying the franciscan crowns it's a very concrete way uh and a reminder of, of doing that and then something I, I do weekly and what what about the devotion of saint francis himself to the blessed mother did he have a strong marian devotion he did um w- one of the when he was discerning what to do, and he was praying in front of uh, in front of the San Damiano crucifix. Uh, and, and Jesus spoke to him, "Francis, go rebuild my church, which is falling into ruin." Um, Saint Francis thought that meant physically go rebuild churches. Uh, so one of the churches he he rebuilt was in the valley uh, in Assisi, uh, Santa Maria de Angeli, Saint Mary of the Angels, uh, and that was always one of his um, favorite chapels. It's a small chapel. It can maybe hold about 20 people in it. Um, but he usually referred to it as the, the birthplace of the order. Um, he knew that under Mary's uh, intercession, under her uh, protection, that, that he started this order. Uh, that was the first official chapel of the order. The first friary was a little bit down the road, but that, that was the first uh, chapel. Uh, and it was where he asked to die, and it's actually where he did die. Um, he, he was when he was he was quite sick and, and they, they knew he, his health was failing uh, the friars brought him to that chapel uh, and laid him on the ground there um, so he, he always just had um, just seems like he had this regular uh, devotion a kind of simple devotion but a regular devotion to Our Lady um, he wrote uh, many prayers about uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary um, he wrote um, kind of the salutations of the, the Blessed Virgin Mary is his I don't want to say his most well-known prayer, but it's at least among Franciscans, it's well-known. Um, it just that's always been a it's a simple devotion that I think they had, um, but it inspired me uh, and many other friars to to continue that that devotion of Our Lady, um, and also just recognizing too that the the Franciscans and the Dominicans uh, were founded pretty much right at the same time uh, in the same church and, and the same kind of difficulties and challenges that were, that were going on in, in, uh, in Europe and in, in the church at the time, uh, and both through, through their own way, through the Dominicans way and through the Franciscan way that we, uh, brought the, the gospel just to people and, and particularly how, um, Marian devotion was a, a pretty essential part of that. In the Franciscan order, you know, especially the conventuals, there have been others that have had a strong Marian devotion, and uh, we credit Blessed Don, uh, John Dun Scotus with uh, with really laying the foundation for the Immaculate Conception. Could, could you just say a little bit, introducing people to Blessed Scotus and kind of his Marian thought? Yeah, so Blessed John Dun Scotus, he's, he's kind of he's referred to as the the architect of the. Um, Theology behind the Immaculate Conception, and uh, you know the, the Immaculate Conception wasn't uh, really an approved solemnity or recognized by the Church until uh, the 1850s. But John Duns Scotus was writing in the uh, 13th and uh, 14th century, um, and, and he had this. Uh, he was a philosopher. He was a logician, among, among other things. Um, but his his kind of his way of articulating. Uh, the Immaculate Conception, which there was some debate about at the, the time. Um, but his, uh, John Duns Scotus's argument that, well, God could do it. Uh, it's good for God to do this, that Mary be conceived without original sin. Um, so God did it. Uh, and it really points, 
nothing it says more about god's love uh, and bringing forth the incarnation uh, than it does about mary and certainly it says good things about mary uh, that she's this this favored one that, that she's the the one who's going to be brought into the world um but that it was foretold from it, God's intention was always to have Jesus Christ come into the world uh, so that it makes, uh, there's a fittingness. Uh, it's, a, it's a word John Duns Scotus would use a lot. There is a fittingness that Mary would be conceived without original sin, that she would be this pure one uh, and, and that the incarnation God would come into the world uh, through this um, pure one, that, that Mary has this unique quality about her of being without original sin, without any sin, uh, and, and that it's a fitting thing to do. Um, God can do it, so God did it. Um, yeah. And if people want to read more about Blessed John Don Scotus and his thought on Mary, there's a little book put out uh, called Four Questions on Mary, and he focuses on the marriage of Joseph and Mary, but also uh, has uh, some dedicated to the Immaculate Conception and other Marian topics, so that could be some further reading. There's uh, another saint that comes to mind, so kind of tracing the, the saintliness of the Franciscan order, but Maximilian Kolbe, also yeah. uh, a big proponent of Marian devotion. Um, what can you say about Maximilian Kolbe and all the work that he did to promote the Immaculata? Yeah, so um, St. Maximilian Kolbe was a, a just, you know, contemporary St. John, St. John Paul II called him the uh, the patron saint of, of, of a difficult century, but uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe is uh, from Poland, and, and the Poles certainly have a, a great devotion to Our Lady, but while uh, Kolbe was in Rome, he was studying to be a priest there, uh, so he's in seminary, um, and he, he joined together a group, a small group of friars to start the um, the, the mission of the Immaculate, or the um, militia of the Immaculate. Uh, it doesn't always is translate Real well, or Knights of the Immaculate's a, another phrase that's used. Um, and it was to develop devotion to Our Lady, um, and, and also just to recognize the, the different um, evils that were going on in the world, something that was a very in, in the forefront, at least in, in Rome, uh, in the church at that time, uh, was the, the Masons that were going, um, trying to, um, they were protesting against the church and, and St. Uh, Maximilian Kolbe recognized kind of the evils of, of Masons. So part of the reason that he, he started the mission of the Maculata was for, for any enemies of the church, um, but also particularly at that time uh, against the Masons. Um, but it's through that uh, mission of the Immaculate or the, the militia uh, that he, he recognized he needed to just spread Marian devotion. Um, so in the 1920s and, and 30s, he, he started uh, something called Marytown, uh, it's in Nikopolanov, Poland, and it's this ended up being this quite a big town at, at its biggest point. There's about 700 friars there, um, but it was a, a, a town dedicated to Mary, uh, all ran by friars, um, and for the promotion of, of Marian devotion. So uh, in the, the 20s and the 30s, um, St. Maximilian asked to have money from the, the friars to create a printing press and that, uh, create a magazine, um, which is still printed today, um, to promote this devotion. And this is not a time when um, articles and magazines, um, it's a very big expense to get the, the printing press and a lot of time and effort uh, to, to run it and to write these articles. Uh, but the, the printing press is a, a way to communicate this, to, to mass-produce literature about Our Lady. 
um, and still going on today. Uh, he also ended up going to Japan uh, to to start a uh, Marytown there. Uh, there's a Marytown ours in America. It's it's ran by our friars. It's the National Shrine of Saint Maximilian Kolbe. It's in uh, Liberty Liberty Town or Libertyville. It's the other province. I get a little bit confused, but it's in Illinois. Um, yeah, and it was through through that the, these Marytowns that they still uh, exist um, and. Yeah, he just cr- continued to, to spread that devotion of Mary and inspired, really, uh, also just a lot of friar, a lot of men, young men, uh, to join the, the Franciscan friars. Um, there's a, I, I don't know if you would necessarily call it um, a, a, a signal grace, but I think it's a, a blessing of Our Lady that when um, St. Maximilian Colby went to uh, Japan to start the Marytown, um, that they were trying to be in the city. Uh, conventional Franciscans tend to, to be a little bit more um, urban, uh, tend to be in the city because there's, there's more people there. Um, so St. Maximilian Colby went to, to Nagasaki in, in Japan in the 1930s, and they weren't allowed um, basically to, to set up in town. Um, so being kind of embracing poverty and, and the spirit of St. Francis, uh, St. Maximilian Colby went outside the town to set up Marytown, uh, in Nagasaki, um, and it's really, it's, uh, J- Japan's an island, there's a lot of mountains there, um, St. Maximilian Kolbe actually set up the town behind or, or next to one of the mountains so that when, uh, the atomic bomb was dropped, uh, in Nagasaki, um, that really is quite the miracle that because the town was behind this mountain, the Marytown, uh, itself was saved and, and the friars were able to continue their ministry, but also to to, to minister to all these these families who um, their homes and their lives were destroyed by that bomb, um, and, and Saint Ra- Maximilian recognized that is, is the grace of Our Lady um, that's not recognizing you know it wasn't his own wisdom it wasn't his own wits or any of his own skill um, but just giving himself completely over to Our Lady and recognizing just following the the will uh, of Jesus of God that in the same way that um, Mary did um, that we can bring forth. You know, these this goodness and bring forth this peace and bring forth really the gospel. Um, so yeah, Saint Maximilian Kolbe is just a really popular saint, particularly of the 20th century. Um, our friars, my provincial, was actually uh, one of the, the the friars who helped write and develop the, the um, um, documents that were required for the process of canonization. And uh, my my provincial father James McCurry, he actually presented the the image of Saint Maximilian Kolbe. Uh, at the canonization to uh, Pope, then Pope John Paul, and now Saint John Paul II. Um, so it's 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 an important part uh, of our our life, as particularly as conventuals, to continue this Colbian devotion. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's been another fruitful part of, of my life as, as a friar, and really as a yeah, just as this Marian devotion as well. So. The Marian devotion of the orders is very profound, and and uh, it's one that I think all Mariologists can stand in awe of. Even thinking of some of the the greats you mentioned, Father James McCurry, and I'm a member of the Mariological Society of America, and. Father McCurry actually was the uh, president for a few years back in the early 1990s. He comes to some of our gatherings, so uh, so I know him quite well. Uh, Father Peter Damien Fellner died as a conventual Franciscan, and he was a great uh, devotee of Our Lady. So uh, very much uh, 
uh, in awe of all the work that the Franciscans have done to promote uh, the Blessed Virgin. Yeah. So one of the things I like doing with our guests is just to build a quick Marian profile, and uh, it's just several questions uh, to help show that there are many facets to Marian devotion, and not everybody has the same uh, devotion as the other person. So uh, you already mentioned the answer to this question, but I'll let you say it again, your favorite title for Mary. Oh, Mediatrix of of All Graces. That one's really good. I also, in one of the, the prayers of St. Francis, um, he has a couple different titer, titles for Mary, but my, my favorite of them is Virgin Made Church. Uh, I think it just you know, talks about bringing forth the incarnation, and, and St. Francis's favorite um, feast was Christmas. He just loved Christmas because, you know, uh, and, when, and when he uses that title, Virgin Made Church, um, St. Francis really recognizes Mary's role in that, so... Uh, Mediatrix of all graces, and then Virgin Made Church. I, I get two. I'm a Franciscan, so they're rare. Uh. <laughs> uh, there are lots of different sacramentals. Of course, you wear a rosary at your side. The the, cro- yeah. the seven crown, the seven joys of Mary. Uh, yeah. Is there any other sacramental that is near to you? Yeah, I kind of following the example of Saint Maximilian Kolbe, who was just really recommending people wear. Uh, or, or carry around with them a miraculous medal. Uh, about a year I, a year ago, I started wearing a miraculous medal. Um, I never liked necklaces. I just didn't like things around my neck. But a, a friend encouraged me and, and gave me a miraculous medal to wear around my neck. Uh, it's a little over a year ago, and I've been wearing it every day since then. And it's just a, a, a daily, really regular reminder, um, just of Our Lady. Um, just watching over us and, and protecting us and, and the, the graces that are born forth um, through wearing the, the miraculous medal. There are lots of different prayers to the Blessed Mother, uh, the most popular probably being the Hail Mary that so many people pray every day in the rosary, but uh, there yeah. are lots of other Marian prayers. Is there a different prayer that you have a fondness for? Oh, I, you know, praying the, the liturgy of the, the hours um, is... It's it's really beautiful, and there's a couple different Marian things, but at least lately, um, just recognizing that the Magnificat, uh, the Magnificat is, and my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Um, it's said by all, all people who pray uh, the liturgy of the hours. It's said during evening prayer, um, and at least lately, um, not sure why, but but for some reason, that's really been um, an important prayer. Uh, you know, I've been praying it at least every day for twelve over twelve years now. Um, and I think I'm just starting to understand how um, Mary's joy in that and, and just her, her recognizing in the greatness of, of God and, and also her humility. Um, so I'd say that at least right now, uh, the, the Magnificat's been a, a favorite prayer of mine. We've been talking a little bit about the rosary, especially in the beginning of the show and how people uh, have struggles with the rosary, sometimes finding it monotonous, repetitive, all these things. Uh, Is there any tip that you could offer to someone struggling with the rosary? I think it's to just before you start, um, kind of a spiritual, just ask the Holy Spirit to to guide you, to, to give you that time. Uh, to give you that kind of sense of peace, to give you, um, you know, oftentimes uh, other distractions kind of come in, different thoughts, maybe different feelings or, or, or different kind of practical things. But I think spiritually, just to ask the Holy Spirit to to be able to have that time of clarity, to have that time of peace, you know, it takes about 20, 25 minutes to pray the rosary. Um, so spiritually, kind of ask for the Holy Spirit. Uh, but then just practically, like just 
set aside a time. Um, if you pray well in the morning, you know, do it in the morning. If you if you're too tired in the evening or you always fall asleep during uh, while praying the rosary. Um, just make sure you, you can kind of do what you can to be, to be awake. Um, I think when we, we uh, give it a little bit more of a, a primary focus in our lives and, and not something to just do uh, when the, the day is over, uh, that when we have that kind of intentionality with it, we're, we're able to be more receptive to those graces and just be uh, more in tune to that, that prayer. Definitely. And when you talked about your favorite Marian prayer, you mentioned the Magnificat, which is found in Luke's Gospel. It's Mary's mm-hmm. song at the visitation. Is there any other Marian Bible passage that stands out to you? Oh, um, I, I really love the, um, you know, it's prayed in the rosary, but when at, at the wedding at Cana, uh, when, when Mary, uh, you know, tells Jesus, you know, this is kind of this is his first miracle. It's the beginning of his, his, uh, ministry. I, I think Mary is, is mother uh, of Jesus, uh, in, in instructing him what to do. It's just a very, um, kind of practically down to earth. Uh, motherly thing to do uh, and now Jesus is obedient I mean, Jesus follows through with that I think it's um, uh, it, it just shows their relationship and it shows Mary's understanding of who Jesus is and was and was called to be uh, and how Jesus you know, follows the, the will or you know, that, that instruction of Our Lady um, so that's always been um, a, a scripture that, that stands out to me How about a favorite Marian apparition? Ooh uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe, well, I don't know if Our Lady of Guadalupe is an apparition. Well, that's an apparition. Yes, it is, uh, yep. That, that, I think it's just been a big part of my um, conversion, kind of understanding that. Last year, uh, two years ago, I was able to go to Ireland uh, and see Our Lady of Knock, and, and I was just, that was just a, a great place of, of peace there. Um, so those are the, oh, they're all good. So it's it's hard to say which are my favorite. But the the two places uh, of apparitions I've been to has been Ireland, Our Lady of Knock, and then uh, Mexico City. Um, so I would, I'd say those are, are my two favorite. So now there are other shrines to Mary. Oftentimes these apparition sites they are shrines to the Blessed Mother, but there are devotional shrines to different titles all throughout the country. Is mm-hmm. there a Marian shrine that you love praying at? Yeah, so our, our friars, it's a little bit of self-promotion, but our friars have the uh, the National Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation. It's in Cary, Ohio. It's about 45 minutes south of Toledo. Um, so it's not the, the easiest place to get to. Um, and it's a small town. It's a town of about 5,000 people. Um, but there's a basilica there, and it's, it's devoted to the uh, Mary under the patronage of Our Lady of Consolation. Um, and there's just a, a, I've been there many, many times and have ministered there. Um, it's just a great place of, of peace. Um, and it's kind of a, a unique title of Mary. It's one that's not um, particularly common in America, um, but just recognizing Mary as this one who uh, consoles people, um, consoles people through her, through her prayer, uh, through her graces. It kind of is the mediatrix of all grace. Um, yeah, and just, it's just been a, an important uh Basilica Friar Shrine uh, in, in my life as a, a friar. So it's, again, it's the, the National Shrine of Our Lady of Consolation in uh, Cary, Ohio. 
And if people want to learn more about Our Lady of Consolation, Marge Fenlin, who wrote a, a Marian pilgrimage across America called My Queen, My Mother, a Living Novena, features nine different Marian shrines available from Ave Maria Press, and she visited Our Lady of Consolation as part of that. So that could be a way for people to learn a bit more about it. Is there yeah. a Marian book recommendation that you would like to offer? Ooh. Um, I, I gave it out to a friend, so I can't think of what it's called right now. Um, but it's, it's written uh, before he was Pope, but by um, Cardinal Ratzinger. And who was the other? Is it Daughter Zion? <laughs> or, uh, Daughter Zion. It's with, or no, married the church, the source, the church at her source. It's with von Balthazar. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's it. Um, so very theological work. Yes. Yeah. It's, and that's, um, I, I, my, I think Francis's devotion to, to Mary was, was pretty um, simple but profound, but had this depth. Uh, and, and this book is just able to articulate, you know, it's, again, it's a pretty theological um, source. But I, I think because of the, just my devotion and prayer, um, I've been able to, to understand it. And, and th- those two um, theologians just are able to articulate so many uh, things that I've kind of felt and experienced. Um, and, and in a really beautiful way and just gives us this, you know, this depth, there's this mystery and this beauty, um, and, and, it, and it's contemporary, you know, but it, it also really carries on this, um, this tradition of Marian devotion. So, Okay, and lastly, when we celebrate a Marian feast day, one of those holy days of obligation, is there a Marian song that you always hope they might sing? Um, you know, so many times it's, again, it's kind of these simple thing, uh, prayers, common uh, prayers. I always think of Salve Regina. Um, I, I really love, uh, for the Franciscans, again, Immaculate Conceptions are really uh, an important um, feast for, for the friars. We celebrate it with, with solemnity and all the friars do novena before the Immaculate Conception. Um, so I, I just really uh, try to think of the, the different Marian um hymns that are connected to uh, the, the liturgy of the hours, but particularly the, the Salve Regina. Um, again, it's, it's, it's a common, it's, it's, it's well-known, um, but I, I think it's uh, well-known and, and common for a, a reason, just because of its, its beauty and its, its depth. So. And it's sung by the monks uh, and all religious, really, for the most part, during ordinary time in the Compline of the Night Prayer of the Church, so one that's very near and dear to the heart of all religious and priests and, and the Church itself. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really like to thank you, Friar Nick, for being mm-hmm. on the show today and really helping to explore the 54-day Rosary Novena, that topic of signal grace, and then also just to go through some of those Franciscan saints. So thanks for your time today. And oh, uh, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, and I'd like to offer a special thanks to Anna Nuzo for her music as well. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. I hope it has either been the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at FR Edward Looney, and you can follow our guest on Facebook as well. And uh, please leave a review of this podcast if you found it helpful so others might find it too. Until next week, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.